And now, welcome to The Approach with Jeremy Seaholm, Danny Finn. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Candlepin Corner featuring The Approach podcast. We got a great one for you tonight. We got Danny and Jeremy here with Dave Barber here to get the inside scoop on all things Candlepin present and future. Um Paul already, Paul already firing away with the question, so we're going to get right into it. Uh, episode two of the live version of the Approach podcast. I don't know. They, they didn't know the count last time, so I don't have a count anywhere. But without further ado, we got Danny Finn, Jeremy Seaholm. What's up, guys? How are you? Hey, what's going on? So I'm going to leave this to you now. Uh, you tell me whenever you're ready. You guys do your little thing, and I'm just going to be here at the controls and adding little snappy wit in questions whenever i can what uh, what number are we on jeremy uh i'm gonna say probably like 39 to 40 gotta be Maybe? around there well you know in our notes the other day we're now just an annual podcast that's why i said we gotta start <laughs> no this is awesome this is one that i've actually been wanting to do for quite a while now we have dave barber coming on today so let's get dave in here What's going on, Dave? Hey, guys. How's it going? What's up? Not too much. Thanks for having me. Of course. Oh, th- I mean, thank you for coming on the show. I mean, this, you're, you're somebody that your your family has been in the industry for so long. And, I mean, you know you know the business probably better than a lot of people. So, I mean, we're, we're, we're proud to have you on. No, I appreciate it. Yeah, I've been, been around for a long time, you know. Uh, I think it's been, geez. 25 years anyway of really being in the game uh from when i was a mid teenager so yeah been around for a long time happy to be a part of this and talk about anything you want to talk about tonight so so what i mean obviously i mean your family is owned lucky strike lanes what is your first memory of of, of the business itself so uh the main thing I remember as a kid was nothing to do with bowling. It was the, the lanes had two floors. And so when we were kids, we would uh, basically one on the top level, one on the bottom level, and we would just throw the ball around, you know, on the stairs and basically annoy everybody who worked there, everybody coming <laughs> up and down the stairs. I don't think I was interested in bowling at all as a kid. I just, I was there to play and you know, and get pizza after the kids league on Friday night. That was all I all I cared about. So, so, so you you know your father Jim, like he he wasn't hell bent on getting you in, in into the game. Nope, they uh, and neither one of my parents really pushed us to do anything. Whatever we wanted to play or try, we they would do that. So, baseball, soccer, whatever it was, and then if we didn't want to continue. We didn't have to, we, we'd have to, there was always a rule of you start the season, you finish the season. You don't have to come back and do it next year, but you start it, you finish it. And, uh, you know, it, when I finally got into bowling and really started taking it seriously, then I would go to my father, get a ton of advice. Um, Albie Lacey, who worked there for years, uh, you know, I'd, I'd talk bowling with, with those two all the time when I really got into it. So, yeah. 
You know, it's funny when, you know, Jeremy had asked the question, if, if your parents push you in a bowl and you had said no, we usually get that answer that it's no. And I'm wondering if the parents that push their kids into bowling burned out and didn't bowl as an adult. Because that's what I'm noticing is, is a lot of these parents that were good, were great bowlers and then their kids are great bowlers. They didn't really force it to happen. It all happened relatively naturally. I sort of see that as well. And that's what I do with my son. I've got a six-year-old and I take him to the bowling alley. He has fun, but he really is there just to uh, play the arcades. So I just try and make it a fun experience for him. And then eventually if he gets into it, wants to be a a more serious bowler. Great. But if he doesn't, eh, it's okay too. You know, to no kids leagues yet. (laughs) Not yet. I got to get him into the kids leagues. Uh, soon I'm thinking this, maybe this fall I'll, I'll look around, uh, and see, um, I don't, uh, the closest one to me is Metro. I don't know. I don't think they have a kids league anymore. Um, so I think I'd have to go up to like Academy. I was going to say Academy has a really good one. Does Woburn still have one? Woburn's got to still have a good kids league. Woburn has to have one. I don't know. I'm not sure if they do or not. I mean, I could certainly ask them. I'm there all the time. Right. So. That's my second uh, second home lanes now is Woburn. Well, as, I don't know if you can see the comments. Cage is posted. We do have one on Saturdays at Millis. I don't know if you're willing to make the trek, but we'd be more than happy to have you. <laughs> That's a little bit of a drive, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind it a couple times a year, but every Saturday would be tough. Not 24? <laughs> yeah, that'd be hard to do. <laughs> So, because you know, going back a little bit, like Jeremy, your your daughter's now in the kids league, and, and you've talked about that how it's changed a lot for a lot of bowlers. Where when they were growing up, some of the coaches were a little bit more strict. Where now it's really about making sure that the kids have fun. It it, it is. I mean, I grew up at Fairway. How Jeremy's old, by the way. Uh, apparently, so you know, if we did anything wrong, it was you know you get pulled off by the lanes by the shirt collar kind of thing it's not like that anymore i i feel like that's that that kind of attitude has gone by the wayside but yeah no i yeah i, I haven't i haven't pulled the kid off by the collar yet <laughs> give it time There's a to be fair i to be fair i kicked the ball rack he should be kicked pull, uh, pulled off of that she didn't like that so today I, I can't imagine that, Jeremy. I, I don't know how somebody can do something like that. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, clearly somebody like you have, has never done that. No, I, I, I like to, you know, keep it nice and cool and calm when I'm bowling. Don't get angry. That's, you know, that's the goal, right? Exactly. <laughs> Not always successful, but. <laughs> so, so when did you, you said, you know, you started taking it more competitively. How old were you when that happened? I think I was about 14 freshman in high school. Um, I I don't know what it was. It was just the beginning of the the, uh, bowling season one year. And uh, my older brothers and my father all bowled in a Monday night men's league at lucky and whatever it was, it just, you know what? I want to bowl this year. And uh, as soon as I started, it was just like, I just want to get better. I want to get better and be, you know, I wanted to be the best bowler in that league and all my time was spent practicing and and bowling from then on did you have any kids that you bowled against whether they were a little bit older than you or the same age because like one of the things that we are kind of running into with our kids league is 
they're capping it around, I would say, 91, 92 averages. And I think one of the issues is we don't have that like 100, 105 average bowler that's pushing the rest of the group up. Do you know what I mean? I think sometimes, you know, you need you need to bowl against the better competition to get better yourself. Was there anybody that you looked up to um, as a bowler when you were a kid to say, I want to get to that level? Uh, not in the youth program because I, I we didn't really have too much of that um... – at least for me, I didn't have a lot of that experience with the with the youth. Youth, I bowled. By the time I got to high school and started taking it seriously, I got into I was into baseball as well. So I couldn't always bowl the state tournaments because it was either it was one of those high school coaches where it was like, no, no, you're you're playing baseball. <laughs> like there's if we have practice Saturday morning, you're not going down and, and bowling. So I, I honestly I didn't really focus too much on that. I knew of all the big names that were bowling at the time, you know, you, you had Carrington and Holbrook Flynn, um, a lot of those guys. And that was more of kind of what I looked up to uh, Baker, obviously as well, cause he's from yeah. Lynn um, just those guys and looking and seeing how good they were. And for me, it was like a drive just to be better than them. <laughs> it was always, I, I just wanted to beat them. I wanted to get to that point where I could compete and beat those guys. Our first ever podcast, we had Craig Holbrook on and I asked if he felt like he had anybody's number. And he said, I can tell you who has my number. And he said, Dave Barber has my number. <laughs> really? That's <laughs> Craig said that. I believe That's, so. Does that sound right, Jeremy? My memory. Uh, that sounds about right. Yeah. I think he said your name. He and I have, have had some really good matches individually in teams but yeah. uh the, the one i remember the most were in the pro series i don't know maybe 10 years ago and it was one of those knockout rounds i met him in like the second round and he just destroyed me i think he beat me by 50 and uh and the last box of the the match i i just leaned over to him and said I, i'll uh i'll arm wrestle you for it <laughs> he refused to do it so you know I, I get why. I think he was afraid of me in, you know, to, to arm wrestle. He was okay bowling against me, though. I think he just didn't want to tire his arm out so he could beat you by 60. <laughs> yeah, he absolutely crushed me. I mean, Craig's such a good bowler and such yeah. a good guy, too. Absolutely. And, and uh, it's funny because we, we just taped the last series for Candlepins for Cancer. Who won? So, so basically... It, it, it came out. So Craig Holbrook has made te television and some sort of a television show over across six decades. And he's still bowling at an elite level. Yeah. Which is he, amazing he to, to me. He's the best, I think, to ever do it. I, I know Tommy Ulster is phenomenal. There's a bunch of guys you could put in that conversation, but for the longevity for me yeah. and how good he's been for so long, I just, I mean, Craig for me is his tops. So, so we talked about that actually during the broadcast where it was brought up, you know, Tommy obviously is the goat to almost everybody. Yeah. But, but it was brought up by Kyle Bruce where, you know, Craig never took a break. He never took any time off, and he's still at the level that he's bowling at. Does that put him at, above Tommy? The scores he puts up, too. I, I mean, it, it's not just being able to be there, but you have to put up the scores, right? Like it, he's still to this to this day. I mean, he he has in the last couple of years. You can see it. He's he's definitely getting older, and that's what happens 
you know, with age, but he's still such a good bowler, throws such a good ball. And it's just, it's like effortless for him. And yeah, yeah I, I think it's, I think the longevity wins out for him. I, I think so too. And not to say that if, if, Tommy didn't take any time off. Would he still be at that sort of level? I bet you he would, because that's just how good he is. Yeah, it's tough too, because when you think about like most sports, you know, whether it's golf and how many masters you have and how many, um, you know, baskets you shoot for, you know, how many home runs you hit, like it's tough to quantify that. But if you go by, you know, total pins down, I mean, Craig's probably got to be number one, right? If we're going by that stat, I think so. He had that, what, how many 400s he's hit in his lifetime or whatever. And and I, I talked to him after that. And I said, really? That's the number? And he talked it out with me. And I go, yeah, you know what? You're, you might even be lowballing it by, by a couple he legitimately, hundred. I swear he legitimately did the math. Yeah. I can do the math on my 400s if you want to take the time. Um, if you add them all together, including like states, leagues, and tournaments, it's zero. So it's the same math that if I were to count my 700. Ah, oh, damn it. That was my next go- <laughs> I was going to say, Dave, do you by any chance have any 700s? Don't ask that question. Jeremy, you don't have any 700s? <laughs> Zero. And that's, that surprises me because I know how good of a bowler you are that you don't have any any 700s. See, that's too- the whole point. People don't get it when they think I'm just being mean to them. The, whole, the shtick wouldn't be funny if it was about me because they'd be like, obviously, you don't have a 700. The shtick is funny because Jeremy's so good, but it just eludes. He's got two 690s. I do. I have two 690s on the dot. Better than 699, I guess. <laughs> that would sting. <laughs> that, that, that would be pretty, pretty. Yeah. But both of those 690s contained 1Os. So... It's always that little pesky. But they were early on. They were early on, so I wasn't as upset about them. Yeah. How, so do you know how many 700s you have? Do we really need to like yes. dig this in? <laughs> Are you I, like Dave Chesterkov? Do you have so many 700s you just lost track? I, I don't have – It's. I don't know. I don't count them. I have, I have a bunch. I, I'm not going to say it's – anywhere near like Craig has for 400. So that's not even close, but I know I have a, a certainly a handful. Um, it's got to be harder to throw a seven than a four for people who don't know 700 for uh, five, 400 for three. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel like I've seen far more 400s than 700s. Yeah. The, the 400 is, uh, it's one of those things where once you get the first one, they all just start coming. It's so hard to get to that first one. Um, and maybe it's like that with the, the 700 too. It's just, it's like that milestone. You have to get there. And once you do, then it, it just becomes easier the next time. Cause there's you're, no pressure on you at that point. Yeah. <clears throat> it, I mean, cause you have to figure it, you have to average at least basically 140, 145 for five strengths. You have to you basically for a 700, you have to have at least, you know, three games over 140 you know or a couple big 150 160s in there so you have to have 160 in there i have to imagine yeah because usually you'll have you know a a 25 to 30 game which is still a great game and then a you know a 30 to a 40 in there but those two aren't going to get you to the seven you you have to have at least one one big one over 50 or 60 i think you know mostly no you're very you do you do 
The, the closest I ever got to a 400 was uh, up at Exeter. The last week of the Pro Series, I went 382. And when uh, Brian Mayer put it in, he turned to me, he said, oh, you had a good day. You went 382. I went, oh, nice, my new high triple. And then everybody laughed. And then somebody looked at me and went, so what's really your high triple? And I was, that, that's my new high triple. <laughs> but to be fair, you went, what was it? Was it strings three? You went across. Oh, yeah. If you add You strings, went 400 against two matches. It doesn't count, but because you know how they both six strings there? So string two, three, and then one of the next game would have been a 400, but I know that doesn't count. Now we're getting yeah. lost with our math. Well, one of those fake 400s, but it yeah, still I'm feels good doing it. I mean, three games in a row like that is still a good a good feat. Yeah, that's the best day ever, Bowl. I went 382, 370, and for me, that's on another planet. <laughs> so for all those of you laughing, I'm sorry. Not that good. Except when I bowled Jordan. Just good enough. <laughs> you did have a 600 that night. I did. Oh, Corey asked. He said, I'm hoping for something. Two 600s. That's all I want. And we gave it to him. Two 600s. Just took six games each. That's all. <laughs> we did it the hard way. <laughs> so, so Dave, what, when was it that you, that you actually realized that you could be very competitive in this game? Uh... <laughs> So I, I say this a lot when, when I first joined like the pro tour and everything like that, I wasn't good. I mean, I, I wasn't bad, but in terms of who I was bowling against, I had no business going there with the mindset that I went with. I would go to every tournament and be like, I'm going to win. I'm winning today. And I think I averaged maybe like 112 for the pro tour that year, but it was just a mindset. I always, I, since I started bowling, and taking it seriously i've just had that mindset of i want to be that good i want to get to that level and once i joined that pro tour i think i was 18 averaging 112 the next year i was averaging 118 the following year i was over 120 so it's just in that mindset and bowling against that competition mm-hmm. it got me to that to that place it, you know it's it's funny because i when I first started working at the bowling alley, like my my goal was to get to that 112 so I could bowl on the WCBC. Like that's all I wanted to do. But I didn't I knew I wasn't gonna be the top guy, but I just wanted to be able to to compete. Now once I got there, like I knew I needed to get better than where I was. Those those guys bowling against them too it it, it helps you so much because you get to watch them and how they handle it, how they mm-hmm. play shots how they approach everything and you know you also get into a, a more focused mindset than my Monday night league that I first joined with my my brothers and father was great because there were a lot of competitive guys at the time you know you're talking late nineties where leagues were still at their peak. So there were a lot of really good bowlers, but it's a different atmosphere when you go to a tournament and you're surrounded by all these really good bowlers. Every one of them is, is deserving of, of winning the tournament that day. So it, it really, that's what gets you. And I, I tell people all the time, that's, you have to, if you want to be good, you have to bowl with the, with the better bowlers. You have to you do. No, yep. you, you hundred percent do. And I remember my first WCBC event, like I, Honestly, I walked in, I had, you know, your stereotypical Dexter shoes, your $30 pair of shoes. I, I, I walked in, I was I was paired with, with Carrington, and I was scared out of my mind. 
and, and he was great to me. Like he didn't, you know, he, he was babe. But at the, at the same time, he was he was cheering me on the whole time. You know, I had a few good strings. I think I think I went eleven ninety, like my first pro event, and he was he was awesome. But it it made me get that feeling like, okay, I could be better, and I you know maybe I can turn some of these heads. Now, mind you, that same event, Chris Sargent went five eleven his last three. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah, and you don't you don't have a chance at that point. <laughs> no, I mean he went fourteen hundred. Like he went one forty, one seventy, and he finished with a two eleven at Academy. Wow. See, I think as far as bowling against better competition, like to make a shameless plug about the ACST. Now that we have like an A, B, and C conference, I think it's great to bowl against better bowlers. But I don't think it's necessarily great to bowl against bowlers that are significantly better than you because that could also be very defeating and discouraging. Because I've seen that go too, where you see somebody, you know, you're bowling up against you know a heavy hitter team, and the guy throws a ninety half at somebody who let's say is a ninety two average, and all of a sudden you know they go up there and they're putting every ball in the ocean because they know they don't have a chance. I think if you're here and you can find somebody right there, whatever that level is, that's what I think is going to keep pushing you and then keep raising that stakes. I think I think sometimes people overshoot a little bit and it gets very demoralizing. I've seen that happen one too many times. So what you're saying is I get to stay in the B division for ACS? No, you're in the A. I think that's, I think that's what I heard out of that whole thing is keep me in B. But, but you're actually a great example where you were in the B. Wouldn't you say you were averaging 105 before then? Yeah. And you got pushed to that 110. Now that bar is a little bit higher for you. Where maybe if you went into the A that first year, you would not have had a possibly you wouldn't have had a 110. And that's why I'm kind of I'm sitting here like a sponge with Dave and Jeremy talking about this because I'm kind of at that point now where I'm just kind of I've been in casual leagues my entire life bowling, and I'm trying to take that step to be more competitive. And I did have that first year 105 to 110 growth, and now I'm getting pushed into the A's and I'm hoping yeah. to kind of bowl against that better com- competition and see the focus and drive that you need to push it even another few pins up. Now look at a guy like Scotty Douglas who, who he signed up for the B. We needed a guy to jump to A. He jumps to A, averages 113, becomes the seventh seed in the A division, takes out his brother Timmy in the first round, you know, ran into a buzzsaw and uh, and uh, Justin Waters after that. But that was somebody who could took that next step where maybe if he did it a year or two earlier, it could have done i think could do damage yep i think you have to be ready for it right yeah. like mentally that that to me is the the biggest key is if you don't have that drive to be that good or to get that good no matter what you do you, you're not going to get there you can yeah. you can do anything you want but if you don't want to be there you don't want to get there because then when when you have that in your head now everything you do is is you know designed to get yourself to that point and bowling with those those better bowlers i mean i i I showed up in it every tournament it was like here's my money who's it going to today (laughs) you know like that that was well looking back that's what i did but when i went there i was like here's my money who's who's giving me theirs today right like you guys are all gonna be paying me at the end of the day and never worked out (laughs) you know but it got me to that level that's you know so, so when do you feel like you started taking that level where you started taking other people's money? <laughs> um, that you know, it's it's such a give and take too. Because how how many tournaments do you show up to, and it's yeah. it, so it's like, well, like what was your first big win? The first, I think, before 
one of the I, the the big tournament win I think was the farewell tour um, when the pro series came into play and then they had, you know, money left in the bank in the pro tour and they just did that one farewell tour. And the way I finished that tournament, that last string, like nobody knew I even had a sniff. And next thing I know, I'm like, wow, I'm sitting in the lead. And the two guys who were supposed to win just through bad games and now I'm ahead of them. So that was one of the, you know, it was around that time. Cause then I was on, I was on TV a couple times around there as well. So uh, it's, it's probably in that range where TV to that pro tour win was right around the time it was like, all right, I'm, you know, I, I feel a, a little bit uh, established, you know? Yeah. And I feel like TV is so you made Comcast pretty early. Yeah. So, and I feel like it was, at least it was the same for me. Like once you get your first TV appearance under your belt, that's when you kind of start to feel like, okay, I'm there, but you know, let's, let's, let's build on that. That's, that's really how it was. Cause it was a Comcast show and then the candle pins for dollars. I think that yeah. candle pins for dollars taping where I had that run, um, the 192 game plus, mm -hmm. you know, just that was probably one of like my best days bowling yeah. ever, just and running through who bowling and beating who I beat and, you know, getting, getting to Baker at the end, losing to him. But that certainly was a huge boost of confidence. Like, you know, all of that, you know, work that I put in, this is paying off now. And that was a show that I really wish would have taken off. Because it was just it was just a great show, you know. A takeoff of Channel Fifty, you had your your ladder, but it, like the production value was, you know, above what Channel Fifty was, and it was just a fun show to watch. I I still haven't given up on Candlepin going back on TV, and I know I know it was on like Franklin Access and Fitch and I in Fitchburg TV. Um, I don't was King of the River on TV. I know they had YouTube, but I did they were they local access. Uh, probably local access. So you look at those and then I think, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think um, the New England Candlepins was the first to give out like over a thousand dollars, like a thousand, two thousand dollars. And then all of a sudden, you know, you have um, Candlepins for Cancer coming out, giving away two grand of the top prize. These shows that they're doing are only getting better and better. They're all kind of building on what the, the predecessor did. I think it's only a matter of time before somebody cracks through and takes a bite on it. Because I think the I, next step is honestly, additional. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. I mean, I would love to to believe you in that. Yeah, but I, I just I, I don't know. Have you ever seen Pluto TV? They put a lot of stuff on. <laughs> I think we can get through. I think we can get a candle pin. I don't think they're that expensive. We need a uh, reality TV show first. Get people we excited. Vote, about we vote it, right? people off the island. Yeah, put put five or six people, eight people in a house, right? We can find the right five to six mix. Put that on TV first. If they get together too well, we have to put them in a smaller bowling alley. <laughs> okay, so we're going to go, let's see, we got Surrett, and then we're going to have probably Matero. Uh, let's let's throw Heffern in there for just because. Well, I think you have to put Harnett in there only because that way Matero will get jealous when Surrett starts taking pictures with other people. <laughs> and, and Kate just said in his lovely hair. 
It's true. He definitely has better hair than Tim. Yeah, and um, <laughs> so yeah. when um, so when you um, you bowl in the worlds as well, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and one of the me and Joe Smith are the American, uh, the two American reps that uh, run the tournament and and get it going on our side. That was yeah. that was one of the things I actually wanted to talk to you about. Like, how did you get involved in actually starting to run the tournament? <laughs> it was. Uh, <laughs> It's a long, long story, uh, but essentially um, at the time there were a bunch of American captains that got together. I was one of the ones that spearheaded it, and uh, there was probably eight or nine captains that uh, wanted to see things run a little bit differently. Uh, we made some requests from uh, to – at the time it was Charlie Milan, who was the American representative. We made some requests to him. Um, sort of didn't work out how we wanted to, and uh, we just decided, you know what? If if it's gonna go this way, we're not really comfortable with it, so we're gonna go ahead and drop out of this tournament, and you know, pick it back up and run run one the same way with uh, a lot of the support from the Canadian captains mm-hmm. as well. Most of them, anyway, I should say. <laughs> so I have to I have to ask since you since you. Uh... You know, one of the was it, what's the word you used from America? We're basically like the the reps to reps to run it. Like ambassador, ambassador. I had delegate in my head, so I was way off. <laughs> what are your thoughts on when when worlds first started? Guys going up there with just five guys. <laughs> We've actually talked about this recently, and uh, I have. We you know, there's no way they could do it without a little help. <laughs> Okay. I don't know what they were. Uh, I don't know what they were doing, but there's no way they were doing it. Five guys, thirty-three strings during the during the regular, plus twelve uh, playoffs, so forty-five games total. If you make now, I, I don't know if the format's been, always been the same. If it's Some always teams been twenty-four did, teams, uh, that's what I mean. I think they had a little uh, a little help. You know, I think they they made a few trips out to their car or to the bathroom <laughs> to. To, to get a to get a little uh, about, uh, get the juices flowing drinks for anybody listening. <laughs> energy, we'll, we'll, we'll call it energy drinks. A lot um, of energy. <laughs> so my my whole thing with that, for since I first heard of it, was and it happened actually at Mixed Worlds today, um, today last week rather, where it, not necessarily to this extent, but I always said like if a guy first string second string rolls his bicep tendon, you're out. Yeah, over. I, I never understood why they wouldn't bring a six guy, even if he was just going to be, excuse the term for, you know, if there's any young people, but that's you know, late, you know, a beer bitch who's not going to bowl at all, who's just there. And then if somebody gets hurt, you got somebody. You need a body at that point. At this point, we look at it like you need at least seven. Yeah. To me, eight is ideal. I, I'd love to have eight on the team going up eight, there because yeah i think eight's the number yeah it, it is you get enough you get enough rest it's a long week you know and it, mm-hmm. and the other thing too is back when they first started and even 20 years ago and not even that long too the pace of the game was quicker so they would start at nine in the morning they'd finish you know it would probably be two and a half hour matches so now you're you know two four thirty at in the afternoon you're finishing we're starting at nine and finishing at seven thirty. Yeah. It's 
it's a it's much more strain on your body because there's just too much waiting going yeah. on between the matches between that like back then it was just get up there pick up a ball and go it's not like yeah, that anymore. the box for box thing i think really has evolved over the years that's how i've always bowled but i know that that wasn't the way it always was it's not so bad if you're in a match i don't mind going box for box with the guy that you're in your match with but there's to me there's too much waiting for other matches for other people i agree with you know that. there's it's it's almost as if it's like trying to be overly courteous when in reality for me it's just like if you're ready and i'm not throw the ball i don't yeah. you're not going to distract me Do that i it don't won't so bother me i don't focus on if i'm on 11 12 i don't focus on what's on 13 like that i, I agree with you on that on the match but yeah. uh yeah as far as then worrying about oh i'm two boxes ahead of another game that that gets you at, at that point too i think you're overthinking way too much Way too much. And I'm pretty sure even way back, there used to be a rule in the rule book that said you had to have a, a three-string match with five people done in two hours. Yeah. That's <laughs> right? crazy. That's, that's crazy to me. Well, I there remember when no I, waiting. I took the class, uh, the be the certified instructor, uh, Dan Murphy ran the class. And, you know, he asked, you know, what houses have good leagues? And, you know, I was always, you know, Jeremy knows, Mills has a lot of, and I, I don't even just mean talent-wise, I mean just the amount of leagues. We have... Mm-hmm. All to all five days a week. Wednesday we have um, a, we have to bump a league back because there's a wait. Um, on now Monday we have a league that has to wait because uh, there's just too many. We don't have enough lanes. And you know I thought that was really good. And he said we had leagues seven nights a week, four o'clock. I think he said five o'clock, seven o'clock, nine o'clock, like five man teams. And that's unbelievable to me. Those are the stories I heard too. Back in the seventies and eighties, it was every two hours five on a team. Yeah. 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 Fair Packed. fairway was the same way. Five o'clock, seven o'clock, nine o'clock. Yep. No, here I am bragging about that. We have, you know, uh, 24 teams in 22 lanes, and we have to make somebody bowl at 745 and 6 o'clock. <laughs> I mean, nowadays, that's that, – nowadays, yeah, that that's that, – that's We don't have any five-man teams. They're all four-man teams bowling for three hours. <laughs> I, honestly, other than the pro – the travel league, I – I think three-man teams is the way to go. Yeah. I was just down at Metro last night, and they have uh, they had the place packed, but it was all doubles. There was probably like 30 teams, but it was doubles. Yeah. So place is full, but it's not the same. Not the same as having four or five on the lane. Right. Yeah. So we so talked a little bit. You were talking about worlds. Um, so mixed worlds. You don't partake in mixed worlds, huh? <laughs> I do not. Um <laughs> For one thing, one of the biggest things is it's just like this past weekend. It was too nice out. I was uh, at the lake, at the camp, you know, enjoying the nice weather. The middle end of June is just, it's a tough time to do it. But also, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of handicap tournaments. So I only bowl in them when I'm, you know, not have to, but very rarely. Do I bowl in them? So well, it's not technically handicapped, is it? <laughs> technically, yes, but there's it's scratch. <laughs> it's just that one bowler is handicapped, so it has to be under 120. So to me, I'm like, <laughs> and the history of that tournament, there's been way, way too many people who have found loopholes and basically, you know. In, a, in one way or another, either falsified their average or sandbagged the last ball of the last once a month 
to be 120.99 or whatever it is, whatever it was like 119.7. Yeah. Way too many instances of that. And I I don't know. I think they, they need to change, you know, I've suggested it multiple times to I know Nate Lee's is uh, spearheading that. Now I've talked to him about it, but Deb Regan in the past, just about changing the way they track the averages, you know, doing that and counting big tournaments towards their average, I think would try and uh, close that sandbagging opportunity. Yeah, I get that too. I do think, and we talked about a little bit that like uh, if you can get 30 strings, if that's their number in in pro series, I think that should be considered because um, if you, to me, that's when you're bowling your most competitive and at world, you know, mixed worlds, worlds or whatever, that's when you're bowling your most competitive. And I know some people have talked about a weighted average, but if you weight the average, you're going to see people bowling in these, I hate to use the term nothing league, but like in a nothing league, have 10 pins lower. And now all of a sudden they get to go in with a five pin, five pins lower. And also they're probably not money leagues at that point. So if they lose a few games to get that average down, they're going to do it. So that's what, that's the only reason I'm a, I'm not a fan of composite average, but I do think tournament averages should weigh in if you can get over 30 strings in. And I think there is a way to, to sort of have the best of both worlds in that, right? Like a lot of the people who bowl in the mixed worlds bowl either once a month at Exeter, uh, the pro series or even the world itself. Um, and the ladies used to have their internationals tournament, which, uh, I know hasn't been run in a while, but if that ever comes back, that would be another one. Um, you know, the, the average is for the men anyway, but like those types of tournaments are the ones that I think should count because if you're going to bowl 20 games at the world's 25 games in the pro series and average say 122 or 124, and then your Sunday night bells and bows league, you're averaging 117. Yeah. Well, why aren't we using the 124? Because that's what you bowl when it counts, not when it you know not when it doesn't in that fun Sunday night league. Is that, is that why I got eliminated in like the fourth round of the last hour on the bear? Because you were in bells and yeah, because you had like the 124 <laughs> average or whatever you had because you decided to be good up in uh, at Exeter. <laughs> Welcome to bowling on a fast house, Jeremy. We would, we've actually been talking to Jeremy about it's how it's not a fast house. I'm sorry, but it's not. Okay, it's okay. a very fair house. Okay, I wouldn't call it fast compared to Millis. It's, my average was about four pins higher at Exeter than it was at Millis. I I think uh, I Jeremy. I do think, and we a few people have said this. If you bowled at Metro Palace, uh, Park Place, Bolarama for like a two two seasons, you'll get your 700. I don't think you you bowl in a lot of splitty houses. <laughs> I don't know about I don't know about Metro anymore. Well, okay. 15 years ago, Metro was one of the fastest houses around. But the synthetic at Metro for me, at least at least the way I throw the ball, that synthetic is really really rough. It doesn't uh, it doesn't take very well. No, I haven't been, I haven't been there probably for about four or five years. But felt a little it was a little fast when I went. Um, but I but I I just think you don't bowl in, in a faster house to get those uh i'm not saying they're easy anywhere but i think you would have more opportunities at it well i just remember one year it was probably 2008 2009 i bowled in the three-man teams for the state tournament for the open state tournament it was me mark ricci and chris Sacchetti. ricci went 765 which was stupid 
Like, I mean, it was one of the most incredible things that, like I've ever witnessed in person. And I think I went like 660 and Chris Cicchetti went 630 and we finished third. Where was this? Metro. Metro, yeah. I think it was like Baker, Surratt, and somebody else that, that ended up taking it home. Who's, who's Ratchet to? <laughs> I don't know. I was just thinking that myself. They just created the account. So I'm hoping they created just to kind of come hang out and watch this. So you, whoever you are, say hello. Introduce yourself so we can so we can know who we're, who's talking and who we're talking back to. All, all I'm saying about Exeter is if you hit the pocket, you get rewarded. Oh, don't get me wrong. I love Exeter. I do. It's a great house. I, I just wouldn't call it fast. I think Exeter is very uh, fair. Yeah, uh, you, you get what you hit, really. Like it, yeah. It so does. I didn't see like a lot of like yeah. four, seven, nine drops. But I felt like if you really needed that mark and you really peppered that, you know, that pocket, you you got a good leave, if not all ten. And that to me is uh, it's it shows, you know, the the owner, right, Rob, taking care of that house and really, yeah. really putting back into the house what he you know so you get you get what you get with them because he's a fantastic owner up there absolutely we want we he's one of the guys we want to get on the podcast as well um, so so dave like i know you've made you've made the comcast show and this and that uh you most recently bowled on our cannabis for cancer show how was it for you bowling on those two lanes that they used to shoot the channel 50 show you know with the lights with the lights on and everything that that was that was pretty cool and it was honestly it was hot <laughs> that was the first thing i noticed was it's not it's hotter than people think yeah and maybe it's just been so long since they've had a legit you know show with those type of lights but man was that hot that day but that was really cool that, that was cool being up there um knowing that it was the same too that that the show was on because that was a show I chased for a lot of years, but just never got to it. And then they shut it down by the time, you know, I feel like by the time I was, I was getting there, <laughs> they kind of shut that down. Well, I was going to ask you if you ever actually tried out for channel 50. <laughs> I did quite a few times. I actually, I remember one night I went up for, up there for the qualifying. You probably don't remember this, but well, you remember you being there. You don't remember me being there, but that was a night. You threw, I think it was a 196, I think, in the qualifying, right? We, we don't talk about that straight. <laughs> oh, is that the – were you close to 200 on that one? So I was 194 with a fill. Oh, I didn't – I see. I didn't remember that part. <laughs> I, I was 194 with a fill. I had two triples in that string, and I punched a Worcester on the fill for a 196. Not to make yeah. the show about Jeremy, but Jeremy, what hurts more, a 196 with a two fill or losing to Brian Heffern and out on the bear? I, f- I hate you so much. <laughs> you don't have to answer that question. Um, I'm I not going to answer that question. I do want to get into some of these uh, these questions, but first, before that, because I don't want to forget. Um, and we're not going to talk negatively about any organization or group. Um, but you have some ideas for uh, the direction of the game. And I know we were talking a little bit before the podcast about it. You want to talk a little bit about what you think could take the game to that next generation of, of uh, thinking? Absolutely. Um, 
so it's been kicked around a, a number of times. There have been multiple attempts at this, but I think it's it's time for us to have a bowlers association. Um, I've reached out to a few people this week just to say, hey, want to get the ball rolling, see who's interested. Um, and then from there, we can expand it and open it up to anybody that wants to uh, give us a helping hand because I think the long-term goal in the future of the game for us is in our hands. I think, you know, with the, the other associations, um, you know, they have, they have different, uh, you know, different things that they need to take care of. The bowling centers are dwindling. I think it's just up to us at this point to see what we can do, create this organization. I'd love to have, a place for, you know, these averages that we're talking about. This is one just key thing with, we get the right people in in the room and in the conversation to be able to help build and help do this. I'd love to be able to start tracking in the same manner that golf does. You have an app, you know, and you, you can enter your score into this, into the system, have it validated, but then also pull it up and go, what am I averaging this year? No matter what, wherever I go, what's my average. And that's, that's the goal. That's one of the, goals of this organization for me is to is to have more uh more bowler involvement now are you looking for this to be more pro bowler uh, related or are you going to try to tap into some house bowlers uh have that like have the bowling centers um try to hit up some of their you know 90 average bowlers that maybe would incentivize them to do more handicap tournaments as well I, I think it would it should encompass everybody um so part of you know the, the group that i reached out to are people who are, who are currently involved in a major way. Um, and I, by, by no means did I mean to leave anybody out. It was just, Hey, I'm just jumping off to let's get this started. And then let's reach out to whoever wants to be a part of this. Cause we could certainly use the help, but um, you know, we've got the youth organization that Timmy Jalbert helps run up at, uh, up at Academy, the ICYBA. We've got Bob Lee doing, doing his thing with, with Paul, um, you know, you guys doing, doing your thing with down there with Melissa over on the bear, as well as the, um, the ACT, like there's so many avenues that I think we can, um, bring everybody together and in a way just help each other out. Um, doesn't have to necessarily be just one pocket of bowlers. I I think collectively, we have a stronger voice. So I, I do think, cause I, I like that you said that as well. Um, and we hadn't talked about that part before. So it wasn't like it was a, a lead question because I think too, you look at again, ACST with the B division, um, the ACBT, which, you know, it's, uh, I think right now on the, it's Matt Nichols, uh, Kate, uh, my wife, Kate Finn and Eric Bromberg. And you, you need a farm system. You need that next group up. That's going to feed into that pros. Um, and you know, you go to something like that. And I know, I know the ACBT's handicap. I know the B has a cap, but you start to feel like I can compete. I can start winning. And then maybe you throw your hat in, you know, a few of these pro tours and feel like you have a shot at that. And I, and I think you're going to start seeing more and more faces. I mean, at ACBT, I saw, I saw a lot of faces and names I'd never heard of before. And it was really cool to see. It'd even be great to collaborate um, sort of like we used to do with the kids. We do that kids pro tournament and bring the kids together to bowl with the the pros, make it sort of like a double, you team up with them. More tournaments like that where we can get more people in the building because it's just, 
I think I think we're we can figure out how to make it work logistically. Yeah. But then from there, we we pack a bowling alley. That's what they need right now. Is the mm-hmm. the bowling alleys are the ones that you know without without them. You we're just sitting out. here on our couches, right? We're setting up Coke bottles in our driveway, you know, bowling that way. So we need to do everything we can to support the centers and um, and give back to them a little bit. And at the same time, give us something to to keep going for the future. And that's that, that's something that you and I talked about when I, I sub for you guys. It, we need to realize as bowlers that we can't keep paying three dollars a string for everything like it's just it's just not feasible it really isn't and the one thing we did this past year for friday nights was say hey listen it's not a huge impact but we're paying five dollars a game no matter what because you know coming out of covid the centers are hurting more and more centers are, are on the brink of closing and we even used to say it back when we own lucky, it was like, you know, if, if we want, if we go to our bowlers, our leagues and say, Hey, we, you know, we got to go up a, a nickel or a quarter to, to cover our costs. We'd have some bowlers that are like, Oh my God, I can't do this. We're going to leave. But we can't call the electric company and say, Hey, our bowlers are going to leave. So we can't pay you the increase that you want to go exactly. up. Yeah. So nobody cares. You know, the, the city still goes up on their taxes, your electric, your gas, your oil, all your expenses go up. So it, it's and I th- just. And I think New Hampshire's about to get hit real hard with uh, an electric increase as well. Like, I'm kind of nervous what that's going to do for bowling centers as well. Yeah, I, I saw that post from Lipke and. It, it's the reality of the situation right now. It, I think everybody's sort of failing it from the economy now, but if we want these bowling centers to stick around, yeah, we got to pay them a, a fair market rate. Yeah. We, we, we need to realize, I mean, when fairway closed, we were charging our leagues $4 a bowler a week, uh, $4 a bowler a game. So we were charging our leagues $12. I think Ryan's was charging three dollars. Yeah, we were nine bucks when I started. Up until up until what, six years ago? I think we're twelve fifty now, so we're fifty cents more than you were, however many years ago. Yeah. So in two thousand eleven, we were charging twelve. So yeah. I mean, and that's four dollars a board now. Like people, you hear four dollars a game, and you know they they blow their minds. It's it's like you know this isn't two thousand six anymore. Yeah. So yeah, it's way it's way too way too cheap of a price right now, and we were the same thing. It was three fifty, I think, was our max, or some, somewhere around there when we when we closed in sixteen. But even then, it was way too low, you know. But I get it because at the same time, you want to have those big prize funds. Because um, I know Ryan's gives us a good deal with Outrun the Bear, and it helps. I mean, sponsors are huge too, but that helps enable us to guarantee the prize fund to get that two thousand. And they're looking at that. And for people who don't realize, that's why we don't run them in January or February. Um, we always run them kind of. It starts in May and then ends in uh, September because we want to get in when the season starts to slow down, and we want to get out before the season ramps up because we don't want to take away their business either. If it's uh, you know, uh, snowing outside. And, you know, we're getting 10 bucks ahead. It's not going to be worth it for the company. But, you know, if it's a 90 degree day and they can guarantee $1,000 walking through the door plus beer, there's a trade off there. 
you know, and, and there's even some possibility of, you know, you talk, you talk sponsors and you guys do a great job getting the sponsors down there for Outrun the Bear. And I know it's at a, a smaller scale because it's local businesses, but with our own organization, we're, we're looking to have, you know, uh, uh, we call it like a TV, but it's not TV. It's, it's the YouTube presence and building up our presence online. Maybe we can get to that point where we can have a major sponsor of Candlepin Bowling. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you could even call, you could even have the Pro Tour or something, you know, named X company Pro Tour. Right, exactly. And and even a major sponsor with these individual tournaments, like, you know, a, a lot of these other major sports do it. You've got yeah. every tournament is sponsored by so-and-so with our main sponsor, but that's the sort of thing we need to sort of bring in and, and it, get to that point and we won't get there individually. Right. So I think we had right around eight or nine hundred dollars that were sponsored the last hour on the bear. I want to see if we can get a grand altogether next time around. But it's great because uh, I forget who said it. I'm sure multiple people have said it that the biggest issue with the game is we're all bowling for our own money. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's unfortunately the reality of it is, you know, you want to win money, you gotta put it up. Yeah. So Paul Grant had asked the question multiple times, uh, once on Facebook, once here. So I want to get it out before I forget because I feel like I would do it injustice. Prime to prime, who wins a match, you or your dad? I do. Yeah? <laughs> okay. No hesitation at all. Yeah. It has to be because he said earlier in the podcast that when he bowled, he knew he, was, he had that mentality he was going to beat somebody. He can't come in here and say, I don't think I would win. So I only said it because I did see the, the question earlier uh, today. And uh, my only reasoning for it is I've got a higher high single than he does. So head to head. You know, but there was, there was this once upon a time where there was a guy <laughs> who went like six matches in a row on Comcast and then hit a buzzsaw. I don't know who he bowled against. Can't remember yeah. the guy's name. I can't remember. I, I think he had a, a half Worcester fill at uh, one of his uh, big strings. I can't, yeah, can't remember have. who that was. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That, that was the, the four in a row, I think. And then I came back the next, was it the first show of the next week? So you, I think you won five in a row. You were going for six. And then I, yeah, but you, you had a 20 pin lead going, not, not to, not to, you know, <laughs> Yeah, you had you had a nineteen pin lead going to the second string, and I came out with a double. And then yeah, you, you just whatever I it was, but it, I, I just remember going to so obviously like your father used to go to the NBA meetings, and it's like the next one after that show aired, like we were sitting in the party room, we're talking, and they're like, oh, and Bob Perella goes, oh, we had a you know a great show, you know involving two of like the young bowlers in the game this and that he's building the whole thing up and of course like helen salu goes yeah but my guy won <laughs> i was just like oh god i i don't remember that match jeremy i must have just blocked it out you know bad memories well you know there's a this thing there's there's matches that i've blocked out like there's a certain number on the bear like tournament so, that funny i'm pretty sure that. that didn't happen 
Funny story about that. We, uh, well, and by we, I mean Kate, compiled all the Out on the Bear. I think actually, Dave, you would ask for it um, to see if she could have all the Out on the Bears. And she compiled them all. She's got an Excel sheet and every Out on the Bear. We couldn't find the one Jeremy lost. And he said, it's because it never happened. You guys keep making it up. We eventually said, <laughs> oh, again. I keep saying we, she. I take credit for stuff I don't do. Um, but she ended up finding it. But yeah, he was convinced. He's like, that must have been because it never happened. But, but you know what? Be, Corey and I broke through. We want to not run the bear. It's okay. So we can you, say Corey. that that one happened. I know. I, I don't want anything. That's fine. So um, we're going to wrap up in a few minutes. So if you have any last minute questions, this will be the time to post it. Can um, we point out, first of all, I just just want to say, Ratchet, too, says I I was one of his favorites growing up watching on TV. So I, just, I think that's Bob I Allard. point that out. I don't care if it's Bob Allard. So 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 Bob Allard is my wife's favorite bowler from Maine. <laughs> that came up at Worlds. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> Take that information, what you will. Each of you have to drop. Bob uh, is awesome. A rhyme in there or anything. So, so like, what was the first year you bowled at the Worlds? Ooh, probably I think it was oh four. 03 or 04, something like that. Uh, I was up in Halifax, so whatever that year would have been. Um, so that was, was, so was probably the same year as, as mine, because my first year was 03. It was in the middle of the Halifax run, the um, McLaughlin TNT team. Um, and I think the second year was – again one of the years that they won that i was up there so it must have been the third year i forget what it was but it was early on and we bowled a match against them in halifax and i just it was during the week and i just remember turning around and that place was packed for like eight lanes on either side like 15 people deep it felt it just felt like there was a thousand people behind us watching this match and i just remember turning around and going wow that's the most I think I've ever seen Yeah, watching yeah, no, a match. It was, no, it was crazy. Do you remember who, who'd you bowl with? That year was, um, I believe we were New Hampshire All-Stars. I think it was uh, Bougia, Bovair, um, Eric, Danny Allard, Poulin, and I think Gregory, Steve Plant. I think that was the team. So that was, that was probably like, oh, five maybe because i remember my my first year was oh three and i remember bowling new hampshire all-stars and i think it was i mean it was still like pool and plant uh gregory i want to say steve vadney was on that team Doucette was on that team as well it, it was a very very good team i think they went to the finals that year yeah i don't remember what year it all it's it all blends together like a point, at a certain right? point right like yeah i remember jumping from went up the first year with uh scott bradish was him and strangio were the, oh, my first two like captains and uh that following year i jumped over to um pretty sure it was the following year I jumped over to new hampshire all-stars with yeah. uh because was on the team and he he got me and eric and a couple other guys to to jump over so there's a big match coming up. I know there's a lot of like money matches floating around, but I want your take on it. It's uh, we're calling it Outrun the Podcast. 
I have to get Jordan on and here I, to help help back me up on this one. Jordan, if you're Go in the on. comments, you got to start getting loud right now. So the so I was talking a lot of trash because um, because Danny just you know he he just that's what he does. No, <laughs> I think Jeremy, poor Jeremy woke up to like 140 messages. I literally woke up to Monday. like 75 messages, and all of a sudden, like, hey, you bowling this match? I just went okay. <laughs> so so Corey told me he would bowl me anytime, anywhere, any place. So I told him I'd bowl him in the finals of ACST, but he'd already gotten knocked out. Um, <laughs> well played. So, thank you. So my losing score still would have bo- beaten you and Jordan from the other night. I, I bet. Know. I bet. It was it was it was a uh, it was a grind. Um but we uh came up with a match. They challenged uh, so Corey Alicia and Jordan Britton challenged myself and Jeremy Seaholm to a scratch five stringer. Loser pays for lanes, uh, gets a rinky-dink trophy, and has to make a $100 donation to Candlepins for Cancer. Oh, that's an awesome bet. Where Where is it being bold? We haven't figured that out yet. But I'm trying to find out where Jeremy's worst house is, and then we're going to plan it there. <laughs> Jeremy hasn't bowled all summer. I was told he was going to come. I'm coming every Saturday to bowl with Lily. I've seen you once. So who challenged who? They challenged us. I don't they think George knew that okay. Jeremy knew how to bowl. <laughs> that, I, I made that mistake one time years ago. I challenged uh, Eric Pelletier. When we, you know, we, we were friends. I said, "Let's just do a, a fun doubles match. Hundred bucks a man." I go, "You get a partner. I get a po- partner." Sorry, I could. I'll get Surrett. When he said, "I'll bowl you and see home," I couldn't type the words "I'm in" fast enough. <laughs> see, but I'm I'm in the mentality Dave was talking about earlier. Like, yeah, I know my average is, is much lower. By me. That's fine. My my average you're is much lower. You're confident against Logan too. Uh, oh wow! Hey. Wow! Until so, I threw a so strike Jeremy, in practice. So Jeremy, we're gonna have to get our own Twitch account because we're never gonna be welcome back here now. <laughs> Sometimes well, Jeremy, you're just gonna a take a take a beating. Do you know when you're bowling, Corey Packard? Uh, so it's funny. I actually texted him yesterday because uh, Corey just had uh, surgery because he had. Oh, is that why he didn't bowl Worlds? Mixed Worlds? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we're, we're hoping end of July. Okay. So Paul Grant, end of July. Did, so uh, that's the only reason I got into Mixed Worlds is because Corey couldn't bowl Mixed Worlds. They needed like, yeah. a Corey balance to, to fill. Yeah, no, he had, he had to have something removed um, on his stomach. Oh, that's right. He told me because he almost had to pull out of Outrun the Bear for that. Um, yeah. Uh, for the uh, handicap, I wonder because that team dropped for the teams. I wonder if that's why. Maybe that is why. Um, I don't think I have any other questions. I mean, I have my question. So, like Dave, growing up, you like you're you're from the Lynn area, obviously. Who who is your guy? I mean, obviously, you know, your father, Hall of Fame bowler. Aside from him, who who was your guy to that you kind of latched on to as? Like a, not necessarily a role model, but the guy you love to watch. So, full disclosure, I I really didn't watch much bowling <laughs> when I was younger. <laughs> um, I knew the guys. I I you know, with my father being involved, they've been around, but um, it wasn't really until man I started bowling more competitively that I got to know these guys more. But Mike Morgan is one that that sticks out you know him baker obviously because because baker's you know baker a thousand years old at this point i don't even know how he's but okay okay. so let's let's be fair okay you call him a thousand years old (laughs) but he's literally only like four years older than me 
Um, I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> He's like five years older than me, and you're calling him a thousand years old. I mean, that's a little hurtful. I've I've known Baker since you know I could before I could walk basically that's how long I've, I've known it you know so he's he's just always been that that uh that Baker's older. awesome I I love yeah. I love Sean to death I'm 90 yeah, so, sure he has no clue who I am I know 100 percent. he has no idea who you are <laughs> we were at uh, Exeter and he was um getting money for the high single went over to Brian Mayer and asked him he's like hey you getting in so Brian gives him money he looks over at me and he looks back at Brian goes who's that guy so I turned I don't know if you want to censor this, Jeremy. Am I allowed to swear on this, Corey? Yeah, absolutely. So I get on the phone. I text Jeremy. And I went, today I learned Sean Baker has no fucking clue who I am. <laughs> <laughs> so, Well, what time of the day was it? It was early. But uh, somebody pointed out, I think it was Mike Nardone, who said, he's not on Facebook and you're not well-known. You're well-Facebooked, is what he said, which I think is probably. Yeah, but if it was after 10 o'clock, I mean. It was early. He was getting money for it. It might have been 9, so I don't know. <laughs> That's late. We still going 50-50 here? <laughs> um, so we did get one more question that rolled through. Um, Paul Grant wants to know, Dave, can he get an interview before your Friday Night Pro League? Uh, I don't know, Paul. I'm a little shy on camera. I don't know if I – we'll we'll see. We've already, Paul, if you have any questions, we can ask him right now. <laughs> Are you ready for the big match, Dave? <laughs> yes. Yes. Wait, Replay which that, match? Paul. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. He can take clips of this. <laughs> so just Splice say I'm ready together. to beat, and then say a bunch of names. We'll play that. <laughs> so you, you don't you don't like the uh, the the interviews before and after matches, huh? Yeah. I laugh because there was so after our match on Channel Fifty, of course. You know, you're talking to Trina Fernandez afterwards, and it was hilarious because you're like, oh, unfortunately, I'm here. And then you stopped and said, oh, shit, like, like, I'm OK being here with you. But <laughs> it was just, it's like, not unfortunately that I'm here with you. Like, it's great being here with you. But like, it, you know, it sucks that I have like, whatever. But I was like, that is fucking funny. Well, it was always good to be interviewed with Trina, right? <laughs> Trina was great. What, what's Trina yeah. doing right now? Yeah, who was the uh, who was the other guy? What was his name? I can't remember. John Holt. John Holt. That's right. So he I, told me I had the worst jump in the history of bowling. Oh, that two-inch vertical that you had when you got the yes. Yeah, that that needs to be replayed on your highlight film when you're. Hey, in the... but I but I made like later on th- I made the the Canopin Challenge commercial. <laughs> so. so I think I think Big Daddy is that Ryan. I think it's Ryan Southall. Yeah. He had a great question. Um, I'm going to ask you because maybe people are at home wondering the same thing. How does one get into a pro series event? Easy. Um, we will we'll post the, the, uh, the signups on can open chat. Mostly we'll maybe expand to a few of the other groups, but get on Facebook, go to can open chat. If you're not a member, get on, be a member of uh, can open chat. When they start coming up, we'll post, all you have to do is is message. You know, it's usually going to be probably Freshy or Nate or somebody like that will post it. You can just message them, or just add a comment to the thread and say, "Put me down, please," and you know, show up that day. Real so simple, do, nothing to you it. You don't need to maintain a certain average to get in the pro series. Nope, nope. And and that's that's the key. Is it's just it's open to to anyone and everyone. We've had all sorts of uh, averages come through, and you know. 
whoever wants to bowl, we'll, we'll let them, we'll let them in. And what about memberships? You guys have a membership. To the, yep. You have to be a the, member the to membership, it? you don't have to be a member. Um, membership allows you to make the playoffs, earn the extra money for the playoffs. So all that membership fees go right to the playoffs, the 50 fifties that we do to the tournaments go right to the playoffs. Um, and it will give you a little bit of an advantage if you're a member next year, where uh, if you want to have, if you need to have a certain preference, members will get a preferred shift before non-members. Um, so if you're on the fence about doing it, I would just recommend become a member because you never know. Too, I, I've I've seen it so many times. Guys, just ah, probably not going to be a member. I might not make them all, or you know, I'm not going to make the cut. And then I, I count their points as we go. I'm like, you would have been 15th or you would have been eighth or you would have been like, you would have been in the playoffs. And it's at that there point, was, there was, money. there was an event. I forget what year it was. doesn't really matter. And Nate asked me, he goes, Oh, you're going to be a member this year. I'm like, I'm like, I don't know. Cause I was still working at the bowling alley. I didn't know how many events I, I could make. And I was just like, ah, I'm not a hundred percent sure. And Nate looks at me, he goes, he goes, there was a bowler last year who made, who bowled half the events and would have made the playoffs. Yep. And it was just, and that's not unique. That happens. And I just went, okay. And I ended up paying, but I forget how many golden, but Tim Matero, I think bowled in three or four and he didn't make it. And that's not a dig at him at all, but I think it's almost goes to show that more and more people are starting to sign up for it. Maybe you do have to press a little bit more. But to that point, I think he was just below the cut. With only three or four tournaments. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. But you know, he gets kind of go against what you're saying. I'm just saying that I think it's almost a good thing because now all of a sudden, guys who maybe sign up thinking, "Oh, I only bowl three or four. Now maybe you should bowl five or six if you if you can, because you might be you know you might be shy that few points because you sat out for one. So I didn't mean I wasn't even thinking about asking this question, but because we talked about the pros here, it's a great question by Ryan. So there is the amateur candlepin bowling tour. Um, there was some talks about whether you know because it's handicapped and because it's called amateur, should pro bowlers be allowed to bowl in it? And there was some talks back and forth. Um, some people said it's just a handicap tournament. We're getting hung up on the name. I think one of the ideas that I had brought up is maybe you can't be dual members. You can't be a member of an amateur and a pro, but you could bowl in both and pick which one you want to be a member of. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I say be inclusive, everybody, yep. anybody and everybody, because if you do to me, if it's done the right way with the averages and you ca- and you calculate somebody's average the best you can and get their absolute true average as close as you can get it, it really won't matter. Right. right. So like you said, with the naming convention, amateur handicap, call it anything you want, but be inclusive because that's the whole idea. I think with everything going forward is we really need to be in this together yeah. and we can't be, you know, you know, taking from, from one, especially if you have, you know, some, some rules or guidelines that say, no, we, you know, you can't be a part of them. If you're a part of us, uh, then you, then you hurt us. And if we do that, then we hurt you. Right. I, I include I, them all. I do agree on that sense of being able to bowl on both. Um, and I know uh, Matt, Kate and Eric have all said the same thing where it's really open to anybody. You can be a 125, but you're bowling, you know, you're bowling against people who might have a 90 average. You're just giving up more pins, but you still have a shot to win. 
um, you know, money. Just jumping back real quick, as Ryan asked, you don't need an average. Um, there is so there's an Exeter Pro League. Um, that's a once a month. You have to get drafted for that. That one you have to sign up. I believe Amy Doobie, you want to sign up. Pro Series is it six tournaments, Dave? Uh, we've been doing six mostly the last uh, handful of years. I know, you know, there's talks so. of maybe bringing back. Um, like the team tournament, but there's so much going on. I, th- I think sticking to six is probably yeah. six plus the, the seventh is the playoffs. So, so Ryan, if you're talking about the pro series, you don't need to be drafted. You can sign up, you can bowl in it. The Exeter league, you put your name in and there's a draft. That one's a little, that's trickier to get a part of, but that's something you, uh, Amy Doobie will probably post about that. I assume. Um, the answer his last question that you don't need to maintain a certain average right. for the Exeter pro. You just have to basically, Typically, you get drafted. You're going to be a, a higher average bowler, but the top technically, 12, the top yeah, twelve average bowlers um, yeah. are the captains. Technically, so you have you a to maintain, but you, you it helps. Yeah, and Kate just said too, whether you're doing pro or you're doing amateur, too, you know what you're signing up for. Going, just jumping back to that real quick. So, um, no, I, I do think that it's good that you, that there is more and more stuff to bowl in. I've said it before, and, and and Dave, you've been around for a while, not quite as long as Jeremy because he's old, but. Um, <laughs> I think in the last 10 years, I'm not going to go back to the 80s or further than that. I'm more excited about bowling now than I have in the last probably 10 years. I think there's more to do. I think people are more excited to try new things. I think the leagues are getting ramped back up. How do you feel about that? Yeah, there's certainly, I mean, there's no shortage of things to bowl in, which isn't a bad thing because it gives people more options. It gets people out into tournaments where, you know, maybe they wouldn't have. And you get them into that one tournament, you know, somebody who hasn't bowled in a few years and they go, you know what, I think I'm going to get back into it and, and start coming around and do more of these tournaments. So the, the more, the more we have, <laughs> he is old, the more we have, the, the, the better, it, better it'll be. <laughs> I, I completely agree. And, what, and one of the things I like about what you guys do and one of the things that the ACBT tour is uh, they go to different houses all the time. And, you know, especially ACBT, I think, you're going to get more of those house bowlers. The only thing that I somewhat disagree with is they're going to like, like Hingham was a great house. I got to bowl and I've never uh, bowled in Hingham before, but I would be interested in going to like an Academy or going to like Orion's not because we need more tournaments, but because they have so many league bowlers there that I think if you throw those flyers out, now you get those people and then you can try to drag them to those other houses. And I think that's how you can kind of build your core a little bit faster where I don't think Hingham has, I could be wrong, but I don't think they have leagues. So you're forcing everybody out of their comfort zone, especially for a first year. That's I, the the tough part for the more casual bowler is the distance and the travel. I, yeah. I, I think that the time spent in the car will will deter, but always worth a shot doing it, right? Trick is carpooling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know especially now. That, that was one of the things like back in the day. Like, you know, there was always that main pro tour stop where people would carpool and they'd stay yeah. overnight. That was what people used to look forward to. You know, some of the best stories we had on the podcast were carpools. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe that that's the thing. People got to start. You know, we don't have to be on uh, – What uh, we need like an Uber for bowlers. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll get on that. And, and Kate was saying through the ACBT, they look, they're looking to um, expand other parts. But I, I think that would be a cool thing if you guys if, – if the Pro Tour and the ACBT kind of found a way to work together too as kind of that farm system. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you could get some bows that bubble up, I think. One of the 
one of the thoughts that uh, that I had this summer too was maybe at some point could start at just one tournament, team up with the amateur tour, the Matt Nichols and um, whoever else is involved. Yeah, Kate, so maybe uh, have Kate and Eric Bromberg. So maybe have one stop where everybody's there. If we can work it out to say, hey, let's let's get together because now you've got, you know. Say it's a, a doubles tournament. You know, yeah. we've got 80-something bowlers. If they do something similar, maybe doubles isn't the best. has to be singles. But so that you can maybe go and bowl in both. Like, if it's set up the right way, you can might, you you probably might be get able to enter into right. both. There's a, is it states that does one? Is it New Hampshire states that does it's double? It's a handicap and scratch at the same time as a prize for both? New Hampshire... So you might be able that, to do yeah. something like that where you put your money in and you're you're now in both handicap and scratch awards. That's sort of what the what the thought was. It's just a matter of um, coming up with the logistics. What type of tournaments are they and and all that. So, you know, sorry guys, my uh, I just got a notification that my battery is running low. So we can, I, mean, I, we I got can. like two. It's like two minutes. I just didn't want it to. Uh, I know we're, we're wrapping up in a few. I just didn't want yeah. it to uh, end on you. <laughs> ah, no worries. The biggest question ever, gone. <laughs> <laughs> right. There we well, go. Uh, Corey, did you have any questions? Uh, no, I mean, I think he's kind of touched on a lot of the areas that, that were what I was looking at. How do bowlers that are kind of that fringe are looking to take their, their game to the next level? What's the best option? I think you guys answered. Kind of get involved with the pro stuff and, and push yourself. Yeah, I, I honestly, I, I think you, you need to bowl with the caliber that you want to be. Yeah, that that's figure it out. Where do you want to be? What do you want to do? Like, do you want to get to that point and be as good as you can be, get to reach your potential? Get in that mindset and stay there because then you'll start doing things. Everything you do will be to get to that point. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, and one of the other things too, I, I hear it a lot, and it's not just the younger younger guys, but I hear it a lot of the, I can't compete, I can't compete. Stop, stop saying that, because <laughs> there's, if you if you believe you can't compete, you're, you're not, not gonna, gonna. right? Yep. yep. And I and that's why I do think some of these other tournaments that are popping up that are getting more and more uh, notoriety and more numbers and more money in there where you're starting to see now more 105 guys, 110 guys. Once you start getting to that 112, 113, you're giving yourself a little bit of a shot. And then now you're kind of, you're not going to go out and get embarrassed. I think people are going to more see a stepladder to the successes they want to be at. At a certain point, any, it's like any given day, right? Right. Obviously there's going to be the, the higher average bowlers will have more opportunity. will be there more often, but any given day you can show up, make the cut, and you never know. You never know yeah. what's going to happen. You, you know, you might you might have the the best four or five game stretch you've ever had. Right. <laughs> you might get lucky and, and sneak by a couple matches. You never know what's going to happen. Just get there. It's true because I mean, I honestly I couldn't wait till I could average one twelve. Once I found out that the average to get on the pro tour was one twelve, I'm like, okay, I need to get there. I still I can't to, wait. I need to get on the tour because I want to bowl with these guys. Right, because I feel like I could be okay. Just like I just want to to bowl with them, and then I found out 
that there were, you know, still TV roll-offs. I'm like, okay, okay, cool. Like, I'll I'll go try out for TV. I'll see what happens. Right. And then all of a sudden, one day on a TV final, I happened to make the show. And, and I think it was like at that point where I was just like, oh, I think I can actually consistently compete with these guys. Because you never know. Because once you do it once, you know you can do it again. Is that against Rich Clark? You were on TV? Yeah. That was your first TV appearance, right? Yeah, I had no clue. I, I forget what I made through to make the, the final. But I ended up going 164. I went 456, my first three of the final. And I thought it was in the bag that I threw a 95. <laughs> But I ended up making the show. But it, like, like seriously, it was like one of those things where it was just like, oh, I have nothing to lose. Like this is cool. This is like my claim to fame. Great, I made TV once. But at the same time, like I won the show. I was like, oh, like maybe I'm actually okay at this. You're pretty okay. <laughs> maybe if you practice more in the summer, you could get better. That's true. But I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying, like all it takes is that one little thing that you can accomplish to give you that mentality, like okay, like I can, I can do this. I'm, I'm hoping my thing is beating Jordan Britton. I want to see if he's still in the chat. That was my bait. If he wasn't, he heard that. He heard that from he miles die. away. Yeah. <laughs> So, Dave, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It means a lot to us. Absolutely. Oh, thanks for having me. It's, de- it's definitely one that we've been we've been wanting to do for a while. This is uh, so much better being uh, virtual, not uh, driving down to Millis. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> I like would have for you. I absolutely would have. Like but... person better, but I think this is going to work probably more often, and especially, I, you know, what I like too is being on Twitch because I don't think in person really would work with the three of us all huddled in one screen. I like the live uh, comment questions too because I feel like I it keeps going a little bit as well. Yeah, well, I appreciate you guys coming on and using this using this platform as much as possible to try and reach a different crowd. Uh, so it's yeah. Anytime. What is the ice cream posse, Corey? Okay, so I'll, anybody else see that? Yeah, so <laughs> we got. I'll, I have to shout them out. I feel out. like so they should cream, be Jay Kovitz. <laughs> ice cream posse is a different channel. It's actually my cousin. He owns an ice cream shop in Groveland, and he started streaming just making crazy Sundays and. Literally, it's it's a stream looking directly into the ice cream shop at all them scooping ice cream and making sundays, and it just took off. And he's got a cult following behind him, and it's and they happen to come in and raid. And we actually got an extra nine subscribers tonight because of it. So shout out to him if you're on Twitch following me, go follow ice cream. uh, Candlepins for cancer, right? What's that? That all still the subs go to Candlepins for Cancer. He's still going to Candlepins for Cancer. Oh, so yeah, everything's getting donated as soon as this. Uh, I think I'm going until July 15th, mid middle of July, just to kind of give it a little over a month of doing this. Everything I that comes from this is going right to Candlepins for Cancer. So um, if you have a have a subscribe subscription you want to use, Amazon Prime is free for anybody subscribing, and it's all going getting right right to donations. So yeah, shout out to them. There, check them out if you're on Twitch. To ice Cream Posse. It's literally just watching ice cream, and it makes you really hungry to watch them. But- but it's it's insane. So, and if you're ever in the Groveland area, go check them out. It's uh, that that was my treat to myself after Mixed Worlds ended. I took my wife and my kid out to ice cream after the Sunday Sunday shenanigans ended on Mixed Worlds. So, uh, yeah. But, but yeah, I appreciate them popping in. But I appreciate you guys more jumping on here and and using this. And again, anytime you guys let me know, I will be happy to 
give you the keys to the kingdom or sit in and help help guide this along but it was another awesome podcast tonight much appreciated thank you both i have some news for you after after we go off here oh boy we got some i I don't know if i don't know if it's public yet but i have some news for you all right, so okay. all right, so check check back in the next podcast when Jeremy tells somebody else cliffhanger. I like it. Get him coming back, Jeremy. <laughs> so that's marketing one one right there. All right, so we'll we'll wind this up on behalf of Danny Finn, Jeremy Seaholm, and Dave Barber from the Approach Podcast. Go check them out on Spotify. Listen to their other thirty nine episodes that we're not okay. sure the exact number somewhere we're in that 40. range. They're all they're all fantastic. Spotify is their main platform, but I believe you can get it almost anywhere podcasts are hosted. Go check them out. We'll have them on here sporadically whenever they see fit. But uh, thanks, everybody, for watching tonight. I am Corey from Candlepin Corner. Check us out Sunday, I believe. We're going to try and go live again and just keep discussing the ACST as the playoffs come to a head. But that is all we have tonight. Everybody that's been in here, you've been awesome. Dave, great stuff as always. Danny and Jeremy, we'll see you guys soon. And have a good night, everybody.